Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. Yo, what's up, everybody? How's y'all doing today? Y'all doing good? Hey, if we have not met, my name is Justin. I'm the next-gen pastor here at the church and right here in the room, North Campus. You make some noise, give some love to our South Campus brothers and sisters coming and being here. We are one church in two locations, and if you're brand new, the reason we did this is because uh, we need space because we are thankful people are coming in, and we need to just have room for people to come in. We don't want to turn people away, so uh, that is why we are one church in two locations. Uh, We're going to get into our message, our talk here in just a minute. But before we do, uh, I just want to recognize uh, and really help us recognize just the tragedies that have happened in the last uh, day or so in Texas and also in Ohio. Uh, really just for us to pray together about that. Um, to be honest, I don't have a lot of words to say on the subjects of uh, just tragedy of people uh, who are fractured in their soul, their mind, their spirit, uh, doing things that are horrible and evil. Uh, And if we're honest, all of us have the same fractured soul, mind, spirit, uh, and we need to look to Jesus, and he is the solution for this. So uh, we want to pray and look to Jesus. Would you all stand to your feet, North Campus, South Campus, you join us. Uh, We're going to pray for the families affected, uh, and just really that we would have wisdom on how to love people and how to make a difference for Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you uh, for today. God, I know it can sound so strange to thank you for today, even in the midst of horrible tragedies. God, even several of us, our hearts are heavy, but we want to just continue to worship you. And just like we sang a few moments ago, God, that you are good. And even when we feel like we are being held by darkness, even when it feels like things are closing in around us, We still want to look to you, and that's what we're going to do right now. God, I pray uh, for uh, the churches in the communities of the tragedies, God, that they would uh, just be able to step up. God, they didn't have wisdom uh, in order how to help people. Well, God, we pray for the families affected. And God, we also pray for eyes to see people and to love people right here, no matter where we are. We love you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. And y'all can have a seat. Uh, we're going to start uh, a two-part series called Gathering in just a moment. But before we do, I want to point you to two weeks from now, on August 18th, we're going to uh, start a, ser- a brand new series uh, brought by our lead pastor, Bryant, as he's going to talk about uh, paper tigers. Now, the series is going to go through and talk about how there are things in our lives, primarily even our emotions, that seem really powerful, seem like they have a lot of strength. But as you get closer to them, you see they don't have power, they don't have strength, and you don't need to be afraid much like a paper tiger. That's how we got the series title. So uh, bring someone with you uh, and help understand why we can look to things that seem powerful, but really say, you don't have power. I have the power to conquer this thing. Uh, It's always a good time to invite somebody. And here's the deal. You need to hear this truth, but also you know somebody that probably needs to hear this truth. 
So definitely invite them out. Say, come check this out. We're going to have a great time. Get their thoughts on it and help them. Y'all can learn together. That's going to be two weeks called Paper Tigers. But today we're talking about gathering and how when we come together as a gathering, great things can happen. And we call a gathering, like even the terminology of church, and we view church as a building and a place we go to where we have our offices. But even the idea of gathering carries a different idea, a different emotion with it. Like you're part of the gathering. You're going to the gathering. And we, when we gather together, great things happen. And we want to be part of great stuff, don't we? And think about like in life, when you gather for things, you want them to be great. Like when you gather for a, a birthday celebration, right? Like you want to have a good time. No one's trying to throw a lame birthday party, right? Nobody's like, my graduation party, I hope just my parents show up. Most people are like, my graduation party, I hope my parents don't show up right? Like, let's be real about that. Or you think about even trying to be great. Like, we want to find greatness all over the place. My wife and I right now, we're uh, getting our our oldest, our our five-year-old. She's entering VPK, and we weren't looking for, like, an average VPK. No one's, like, strong. They got two stars, and they must be okay. Like, we'll just send her there. She'll be all right. She'll figure it out. No, we're trying to find what's the best thing we can find, what's the best situation we can put ourselves in. For all of us, even, you think about uh, the sports teams we want to cheer for, the things we're a part of, again, parties you attend, uh, the place you work at, a church, a gathering. Like, we want to be a part of something great. But the problem is, for most of us, most of our lives are determined by a wrong definition of greatness. So you think about greatness, most of the time you think about strength and dominance, success, Right? Like, if you think about a great salesperson, you don't think about the person who treats the customers the best. You probably think about the person who sells the most. You think about a sports team, the greatest team, the GOAT, the greatest of all time is not the person who played the most, it's the person who won the most. Y'all know who we're talking about, right? I don't need to say it, but I could. Think about all over the place, like we want to be a part of something great, but we define greatness by strength, dominance, success, and that honestly is a short, a short definition for that. Because when I simply look at greatness as strength, dominance, and success, I can become great at the wrong things. Like I become a great salesman, but I'm a horrible spouse. I'm a great student, but I'm a shallow friend, and I don't have any relational skills. Maybe you say, well, I have a great career, but you have corrupt character. And when you're only looking to dominate and move things forward as your definition of greatness, if you want to be great, you honestly are going to become great at the wrong things. And even look back at history, you see this repeated time and time again, even looking back to like the Greek empire, the Roman empire, like you think about the Greek empire, y'all know this from history, from humanitarian studies, whatever else you're looking at, right? Humanities, not humanitarians, right? Preachers got to preach. Don't try to get into school, okay? Here's the deal. So you look at, like, the Greek culture. Who was the leader of the Greek culture? Alexander the Great. Good job. South Campus, I know you're smarter, so you said it louder, right? Alexander the Great. But if you look in the Greek culture, you look at practices they had. They had a whole list of, of honestly disturbing practices. And even one belief that I think kind of rose to the top as I was looking at this uh, was the belief that if you were given uh, financial stability, if you had more, it's because your bloodline was the purest bloodline. And anybody beneath you had an impure bloodline. So therefore, it, it gave way to all sorts of discrimination, racism, mistreatment of people. Because you just don't have as pure bloodline, it totally justifies that I treat you inferior because you are inferior. 
Now, most of us, you look at something like that, and you say, that's anything but great. Or you go to like the Roman culture and the Roman Empire. It's a great Roman Empire. But again, it was great because it's military, because it's strength, it's dominance. And in Roman culture, a common practice, a common thought process was to be great, you need to be dominant and conquer everything from the battlefield to the bedroom. And even Roman men, and this is where you see cultures and institutions where greatness is determined by strength and success. You see men rise to the top because men generally are bigger and stronger, can empower or, or overpower people, right? So in Roman culture, a man, if he wanted to be great, he would go and dominate everything and anyone he could find. Men, women, children, it doesn't matter. I'm going to take things from people. I'm going to ruin people's lives so that I can be great. And again, you look at that definition of greatness, it's anything but. And for us to be a gathering that is great and that has a great impact, we need to redefine what greatness is. And here's the deal too. No matter where you find yourself, if you're brand new to church and you're not sure you believe any of this, You've been coming for a long time. I think, honestly, most of us would agree. You look at examples of greatness like the ones I shared, and you say, that's not great. That's messed up. So Jesus came, and Jesus actually redefined greatness for us. Like, he did in so many things. He goes, and he takes so many things in life, and he flips them up on their head and says, this is the way you've been doing it, and that's broken. It leads to more brokenness. This is the way you need to do it, because this will lead to life and wholeness. And he goes, and he's talking to his followers, his closest friends, his uh, disciples. You probably heard of the apostles. Maybe you've seen, like, the picture of the Last Supper, where it's like Jesus and all these dudes all leaning on each other, eating, right? Like, you've seen something like that. That's Jesus and his 12 apostles disciples, and he's traveling with them, and he shows them, hey, this is what true greatness is. This is how to be great, because again, all of us want to be great. We just got to be great at the right things, because you don't want to wake up one day, you're sure now, and go, man, I spent all my time and energy on that, and that doesn't matter. Nobody puts their GPA on their tombstone. Nobody puts their sales goals on their tombstone. You would be embarrassed if people talked about those things at a funeral, so this is Jesus' definition of greatness in Matthew 20. This is Matthew's account of the story. They're traveling. They're going to Jerusalem. And he takes the 12 aside and he sets them. This is verse 18, which you can follow along. We got it on the screen. Also, I'd love for you to open up your phone, take out your notepad. In the, our CC app, you can download for free. There's message resources, message notes. You can follow right along there. That way you can write it down. You can remember it for later. Because if you're like me, I got to highlight stuff. I got to write stuff down so I remember it for later. This is what Jesus Jesus said, though, in verse 18, he says, we're going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered over to the chief priests and to the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. See this right here. This is why we believe what we believe. Because Jesus was a person, he lived a true life, he called his own shot, saying, I'm going to die and resurrect, come back to life, and then he actually did it. See, our faith is not in the Bible. Now, some of you, you might feel uncomfortable, like, wait a second, I thought it's the Bible. Here's the deal, you can get rid of the Bible, if you still have the crucifixion, everything is the same. If you take out the crucifixion and you have the Bible, everything is different. You see what I'm saying? Our faith is not in the Bible. It's in a person and an event in history. 
That's where we got to point back to Jesus all the time. That's why every weekend here at CC, we point back to Jesus, back to the death, burial, resurrection, because that is the thing that has changed everything for us. Now, Scripture points to Jesus. Scripture talks to Jesus. Scripture is so important. We're not throwing out the Bible. But you got to understand, it's not simply because the Bible says, it's because Jesus rose. That is why we have faith. Here's the deal. Let me help you out too. You don't have to clap. You don't have to cheer. You don't have, but if you want to, no, you do you. You have fun. Church should be a great time. South Campus, North Campus. If you want to re, uh, respond to something, you want to say amen, you want to clap your hands, you want to stand up, you want to do just about whatever, keep your clothes on, but you know, we're going to have a good time in church. Okay? So this is what Jesus told them. He tells them, hey, I'm going to die and come back to life. He was really clear about it. And his followers didn't quite get it. See, because what happens, you look to verse 20, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, this is James and John, right? They come to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down, ask for a favor. Now, let me just say real quick, this is like a free thing. This isn't like Jesus' words, this is just my words. Uh, if you're an emerging adult, I think you need to handle emerging adult responsibilities, Go to your parents for wisdom. Go to your parents for counsel. Go for advice. Learn about things. But as you're an emerging adult, gain wisdom, and then you need to go out and live your life. On the flip side, parents of emerging adults, you need to give wisdom. You need to give advice. You need to pray for them. But you need to let your emerging adult, your young adult, go out and handle life and allow some bumps and bruises because that's going to help everybody. Okay? That's just for free. So the mom comes with them, and she asks Jesus a favor, and Jesus says, what is it that you want? And she says, just this small thing, just a little, little kind of thing, a little, little bit thing, it's this thing, could you grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and on your left in your new kingdom? Just like, like when you roll in and you got your big train, you got everything, you got the crown, like when you're going, you're going to sit on your throne, can you appoint my sons, my James, my John, to sit on your left and your right. Can you, the second and third in command of all your kingdom, can you just do that small favor for them? Like basically she's calling dibs and shotgun on the kingdom. Y'all know shotgun, right? Shotgun is where if you are driving someone in a car, you call a shotgun, you get the front seat next to the driver. Okay, now, now this, when I was a, a college student, I was an intern, I had uh, six other roommates, we had a van, we'd always drive, so we had all different parts of the country we were coming from, we have all different rules for a shotgun, uh, so we had to like make a constitution, so this is what the Lord says concerning a shotgun, okay, so you can take this down, write this down, put it right in the back of your Bible so you can use it later, this will help you, this will save some of you, your family, okay, here's the rules for a shotgun, and there's all sorts of weird rules, like if you call a shotgun, I call a shotgun, we can call a draw, and whoever can get their pants to the ground first wins, get shotgun, again, if you were a guy, college student with roommates, you have no idea, but yo, men, if you had a roommate in college, make some noise, let people know, it's not just me, okay, see, right there, so then there's also rules of like, if you call a shotgun and I want to, I can run and touch all four tires on the car and get in the seat before you, which led to like physical altercations. You're trying to like get each other. And we decided, and this is what the Lord, thus saith the Lord, straight from stuff. Shotgun is established when I have eye contact, visual confirmation, and everything with me going to a destination. I call a shotgun, I get it. If I deter from my path for any reason, if my lunch is in the fridge, I got a decision to make. Either I'm gonna get shotgun or I'm gonna be hungry. Right? So that is, you can write that down for write it down. That's what the Lord told me in college about shotgun. But here's the deal they wanted the seats. 
They wanted the honor, but they didn't want to go through the way to get it. They wanted recognition, but they didn't want responsibility. And this is just a little thing for you to think about. Good people, good leaders ask for responsibility and recognition will come to follow. If you just want recognition and you're not looking for responsibility, you're not looking to be great. You're not looking to lead anything. You just want to be in charge. And you're probably going to hurt somebody. You're probably going to get hurt. So Jesus looks at them. He says, you don't know what you're asking. And I think if I'm Jesus also in that moment, I'm thinking like, is this thing on? I just told you I was going to die. And now you're asking for a seat in the kingdom. Like, are you not understanding any of this stuff? So Jesus goes on to explain it to him. He says, can you drink the cup I'm about to drink? Basically saying, can you partner with me? Can you go through this horrible suffering with me? Do you think you can do that? And they say, like most young adult men, yeah. We can. They have no idea what it's going to take. But yeah, Jesus, we can. Why? Because I want recognition. I want honor. I want accolades. I'm not thinking about the journey that's going to take to get there. And Jesus tells them, in verse 23, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those to whom they've been prepared by my Father. She's saying, it's not up to me. Like, you're going to go through suffering that will lead to significance later in life. You're going to walk through this stuff, and you will have something in the future, but I'm not the one who gets to decide. And then Jesus in a healthy way, in a good way, the way good leaders bring people around, the way great leaders bring people around, he addresses the problem with people. He brings them together and addresses the problem right there with them in an open and honest way. And this is what happens. The other 10 hear about it. And what happens when you're trying to be sneaky about stuff? It's always going to blow up in your face. The other 10 hears about what the brothers were doing, and they were indignant with the two brothers. They're angry at these guys, which again, that's what happens all the time. And it's because they weren't just asking for responsibility. Like, no one's going to be upset if you ask for more responsibility. Like, if you're at work, you're at school, you're doing a project, and you say, hey, can I do more? No one's upset with you. But if you try to take what people think is theirs, they're going to get real upset with you. And Jesus, as good leaders do, brings them together, and then he calls them together, and he says, in verse 25... Like, you guys know how the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and their high officials exercise authority over them? Like, you guys know how, like, like you've been around, you live in a Roman culture, right? Like, you guys understand that when you wanted something, like, or you got taxed and you're frustrated about something and you saw, like, I'm going to, like, step up. I'm not going to take this unjust taxing anymore, I'm frustrated. And you step up, and what happens is you step up, and the tax collector has his guards come, and they show you their piece and basically say, nah, bro, sit down. Like, that's what happened. They didn't didn't have, like, guns. They had swords. They had armor. They were bigger. They were stronger. They were more powerful. When you're walking home, and you have something for your family, and the Roman guards are coming through, and a leader says, I want that thing. Get it for me. And they just snatch it right out of your hands. And you're angry, and they go, hey, I'm the authority. What are you going to do about it? Like, you guys experience that, and all of his followers are sitting there. The 12 of them are sitting there, they're going, yes, yes, we know Jesus. We're so angry. And I think, honestly, some of them are thinking, like, yes, this is the revolution. This is where it starts. Jesus is going to talk about, hey, he's angry about this, too. We're going to throw off Rome, and we're going to usher in this new kingdom. Because that was all the promises they had heard. But little did they know the kingdom was going to look like any kingdom they had ever seen. And Jesus looks at them, he pulls them, and he says, now, here's the deal, guys. Not so with you. 
Like you know how the authorities of this world operate and you cannot operate like that. That is not what greatness looks like in my kingdom. In my house, in my movement, in my called out ones, my ecclesia, in this thing we're building, the thing that you're going to take and go with. Like, you cannot exercise authority because greatness is not determined the way it's been determined for most of your lives. We're ushering in a new kingdom, a kingdom where if you want to be great, you have to serve. And that's where he goes on. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You think, guys, it's not about me. It's not about you. And haven't we all felt the negative effects of bad leadership, of a poor definition of greatness? Because I said so, that's why you need to blank. Some of you, it's been in your house. Some of you, it's been in a workplace. Some of you, it's been in a school setting where you go, yeah, I totally get that. And this is where the power of Jesus' kingdom comes into full effect. Because as we live out this way of saying, if I'm going to be great, I have to get low and I have to be, uh, submit to people and be humble and care for people. Like That's how I will be great. That's how Jesus will be great. As we do that, people around the world are going to look at us and go, what do these people have that I don't have? Like, this person has an incredibly high-ranking official, and they are willing to give up all of that to go and serve and care for people. Like, they have something that I don't have because I would never do that, and they're happy doing it. So Scripture teaches, this is what we call, like, the mind of Christ. Like the thinking that Jesus had. If you go to Philippians, uh, Paul wrote this letter to a church all about how to have joy. This is the way, if you can have joy, this is how you have joy. And he breaks it down this way in Philippians chapter 2 where he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each to the interest of others. Now I'm going to tell you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, which we have people all the time who are here, we have people podcasting, people watching online. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you totally get a pass on this whole thing. Like, you don't have to worry about it. Like, for real, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you can be as selfish as you want. Like, you won't have friends, but you can do that because you didn't sign up for the Jesus thing. That's totally okay. But if you're a follower of Jesus, like, we have to follow Jesus. It kind of goes with the name. And just, just think about this. What, what things in life would be better if you thought of other people more? Like, think about situations you have at work, at school, on a sports team, right, in your family. What situations would be better if you thought of other people more? Or even flip it around a little bit. Some of you, this will help you think through this. Which relationships would be better if you thought of yourself more? Like, unless you're, like, narcissistic and you're focused on yourself, like, you're probably not going to say many relationships. Like, nobody ever got dumped from someone like, well, you know what? You just care and give up too much for me. Like, this just isn't working out. You're too loving. You're too kind. Right? Even early on in our marriage, my wife and I saw this where it's like, man, you got to think about yourself. You got to think about the other person. You got to think about yourself. And, and if you, if you want to not be selfish or if you think you're not selfish, you just get married. Because you see how selfish other people can be. Right? There's no married people in this service. 
Actually, no. Then if you're like, man, I, I, okay, we're not selfish anymore. Like, I, for real, I had, I had six roommates, a small three-bedroom cottage. I thought, well, I'm not selfish. I got to share everything all the time. And I got married to one roommate, and we had a one-bedroom. I was like, oh, man, I didn't realize how selfish I was. And then we had a kid, which, like, that changes everything. You realize how selfish babies are. And this is the situation we found ourselves in. I would get home from work. We'd do things. We'd get the baby down. We would, you know, Rachel would be in there. I'd kiss the baby goodnight. I love you. And I'd go out. And I'd just, like, like sit down on the couch. And, like, I'd watch TV or I'd be like, on my phone doing something. And then Rachel would come out. And she would start picking up all stuff I didn't even think about picking up. And she'd be cleaning stuff. And she'd be cleaning up. And then I would have the audacity to say something like, hey, babe, if you just need help, just let me know which is like stupid. If you have to ask, y'all ladies, make some noise if you know this is true. If you gotta ask, you know they need help. And then she would say something like, no, it's fine, I got it, which most definitely does not mean, it's fine, I got it. And then eventually we were talking and she would, we'd talk about it, and I was like, I just don't know why, like you're fine and like you're upset. Like I don't, understand, I don't see how that happened. And finally we're talking, she's like, baby, like, you just don't see this stuff, and you need to. And I'm like, well, make a list for me. Like, I can do stuff. Me, me, man. Me do list. You, you make list. Me do list. And she's like, no, you just look around. So I had this thought in my head. I think about I literally almost think about this every day. Before you sit down, look around. Now, some of you men need to write that thing down. Some of y'all need to get tattooed somewhere. Before you sit down, look around before you sit down look around and this is what happens because what happens even last night I was doing this I'm like I'm gonna talk about this tomorrow I have to do it tonight and I'm like there's some puzzles I gotta pick up there's some dishes in the the sink there I gotta do that I gotta and moving pillows and blankets and some stuff I don't understand why we gotta move the pillows and blankets all the time but you just need to but here's the deal when I'm thinking about myself I'm gonna I just want to sit down in my own comfort but when I can think about my wife I just look around Here's the deal. Here's the truth, too. If you are not willing to look around before you sit down, you are not going to get down later. That is the truth. Ladies, gentlemen, make some noise if you know that is the truth. South Campus, you too. There's a reason we now have three kids instead of one. But this is, this is the truth, and we can laugh about it. We can have fun with it, but here's the truth. When I had my mindset, when I was focused on my comforts, when I was focused on what I wanted, I just want to sit down and play Tune Blast on my phone. I don't want to help her. And that's a, such a small example. There are so many bigger things you could talk through. Some of you, that honestly, if we're real, that is what ended your marriage. Because you only thought of you, or they only thought of them. Some of you, that's where it caused you to quit your job prematurely. You had nothing else lined up, but you were just around people. It was a toxic environment where they only think about themselves. And this is where Jesus says, not so with you. This is not how we operate in this thing called the movement of Jesus. We cannot operate this way. And Jesus even shows, I am not operating this way. And if you are followers of me, you cannot operate this way. Because you look at, Paul continues on and to be clear about how we're supposed to live and how Jesus lived. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something equal to be used of his own advantage. Now this is also a sticking point for us. 
We don't believe simply that Jesus was a messenger about a way to a God. We believe Jesus was the message and the way to the true God. That is the message of Christianity. That is what Jesus built everything on. Again, that is where the resurrection is paramount. Because if the resurrection happened, then everything is legitimized. But if it didn't, it doesn't matter how Jesus lived. It says, rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then this is where you see, if you want to be great, you got to get low, because as you lower yourself into service, into willful surrender of your rights, your ideas, your comforts, then you will be exalted as God exalted Jesus. He says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God forever. That is a mic drop on your feet, clapping your hands, because Jesus is center to everything. And he gave up everything. And if I'm a follower of Jesus, I have to do what Jesus did. And if I want to be great like Jesus was great, I have to do what Jesus did. This is the whole, the whole message in a phrase, the whole, honestly, the whole mind of Christ in a phrase. If you want to be great, the way to be great is to give your life away. If you want to be great, give your life away. Find someone you can do something for. Again, even if you're like, I don't believe in anything you're talking about. I'm not sure about Jesus. You keep bringing him up. I don't know about him. That's totally fine. You want to be great at work? Start to give your life away and start serving people. You want to be great at school? Start to give your life away and start serving people. And some of us are like, well, I have rights. I have needs. I have, yeah, I'm not saying don't have healthy boundaries. We need boundaries on things. But also, let's be honest, my comfort is not a healthy boundary. We need to give our lives away, and in so doing, we will become great, and our gathering, as we join together, we will become great. Because here's the deal. A gathering of people is not great. It is the individuals in the gathering who are great. Anything great is not institutions that are great. It's the people in those institutions that are great. Businesses are not great. It's the people in those businesses that are great. And if we want to have a great impact on our community, if we want to have a community of believers coming together as a gathering of people come from miles around and go, man, I don't know what they have, and I don't know if I believe what they have, but I want it because they love me like no one's loved me before. The way to do that is to give your life away. And this is what caused the early church to add literally thousands of people to their number on a regular basis. It's what led them to go from one site in one city to multiple sites in one city and then moving and multiplying and going from site to site to site to city to city to city to literally look at the, the book of Acts is the account of the church doing this and multiplying because they were serving people and caring for people unlike any kingdom the world had ever seen. And you see this even part in Acts where the people say of the city, they're frustrated because these Jesus people are coming and they're changing everything and they literally say to the officials, these people have turned the city upside down. Like, don't you want that? Like, hasn't the hope that Jesus has given you, like, doesn't that make you want to see more people receive that hope? And that's where as we gather together, that is one of the primary ways God has us make a difference in our community. 
See, the church, the called out ones, the movement, Jesus actually gave to these believers right before he's leaving. He said, hey, here's your mission. He even promised them, you will receive power. Look at Acts chapter one. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So if you're here and you're going, man, I don't feel like I have what it takes. Man, I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. Actually, if you knew my experience, I don't know if you'd let me serve. So if you got Jesus, you have the power. And if you have the power, you have a purpose. Through God's spirit, we gain access to the power. But also, because we have the power, we have an accountability to that power. So if you go a little bit later in uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 25, Jesus tells this story about uh, a master and servants or stewards and leaving them money. And I don't have time to go through the whole story, but real simply, this is what happened. The master has three different stewards. He gives one five portions of the money, one two portions, one one portion. Not because they were different value to him, but because they had different ability. Okay, and in the same way Jesus is teaching, God has entrusted something to you. He's invested something in you. The master says, hey, handle my resources. Well, I'm going to leave. When I come back, we're going to settle our accounts. We'll be, you'll be held accountable to what I gave you. He leaves. The guy with five took the five and turned it into ten. The guy with two took the two and turned it into four. The guy with one, he was afraid and he buried it in the ground. Thought, well, I'm just going to give it. When he comes back, I'll just give it back and like no harm, no foul. Master comes back in. The guy with five who had 10, the master's like, man, you're awesome. Come in here. We're going to have a party. It's going to be great. Come in here. The next guy says, you had two. You know, you have four. You're also awesome. Come in here. We're going to have a party. It's going to be great. The guy with one, he looked at the guy with one, and he said, you're wicked. Like, I gave you. Like, you could have at least put it in the bank to gain interest, but you did nothing with what I gave you, so I'm going to take it from you. I'm going to give it to one of the other two. I'm going to send you out. You can't be in the party. Why? Because you're not a good servant because you did nothing with what I gave you. And in the same way, I think God looks at us and says, I've given you power. Look at Acts chapter 1. You can look multiple places in the scripture. talks about spiritual gifts, things that God will do in and through you. And spiritual gifts kind of boil it all down real quick. Spiritual gifts is something that you've been given that strengthens the faith of somebody else. Like we have names for them and labels for them. Like here's what, if I could get you to do one thing, figure out what you can do to strengthen someone else's faith and do that. And pretty soon you're going to see, man, when people are down, I love having them over and I love making them a meal. and I love just caring for them and being with them. And like, that's probably the spiritual gift of what we call hospitality. Maybe it's a time where someone's like, I'm going through a situation. I don't know what to do. And you can give them wisdom. You can help them understand their situation, help them understand things. Like, God, like you probably have a gift of like discernment and teaching. Maybe it's someone's going through a hard time and you're like, I don't have piles and piles of money, but I'm going to give a bunch of it to them because I care about them. You probably have the spiritual gift of generosity because you're strengthening someone else's faith. The issue is not if you have a spiritual gift or if you have power, but what are you doing with it? Okay, God is not angry. He's not coming in all hot and heavy and mad at you. You didn't use what I gave you. I'm going to crush you. Like, no, God's just saying, I gave you something. You, like, you got to do something with what I gave you, or I'm going to take it from you. I'm going to give it to somebody else, which is exactly what we would do, isn't it? Like, if you entrusted money to me and you entrusted money to them and to them, and I didn't get you any return on your money, you're not investing with me again. 
And God, in the same way, is investing things in us and saying, use your gifts. What you have been given, use. And every single one of us, if you have faith in Jesus, if you have the relationship with God, his spirit is in you, and you have the power, and you have the purpose to go and make a difference. It doesn't matter who you are, what your story is. And here's the deal. Even in that story, Jesus told the guy, one guy had five, one had two, one had one. Like, I think part of it is the guy with one looked at the guy with five and said, well, I'm just not equal to that guy. Because I can't do as much as him, I shouldn't do anything. This is where I think God's going, look at me. Don't look at people all around you. Like They have different gifts, different skills. And when they're operating their gifts and skills, they're just doing what I've given them. Like It's not even about them. It's about me coming down and working through them. And if they think it's about them, I'm going to stop that because that's becoming about them. If your spiritual gift is only strengthening you, it's not a spiritual gift. This is even where a lot of us, we have... Honestly, some, some bad thinking in our minds that restricts us from stepping in and stepping up and serving. And some of you, I'm going to be straight with you right now. That's the whole goal for today. I want you to sign up to serve somebody where. Some of you are surprised right now. You're like, I didn't even know that was what you're talking about. You're talking about greatness and you're talking about service. Here, I want all of you, like, legitimately look in front of you. There's a car that says, I'm stepping up. I want everyone in the room to fill one out. Grab one right now. I'll wait. <laughs> you all think I'm joking like a funny man doing your funny thing you got jokes man no for real you when you serve here's the deal we have needs all over the places like but here's it's not even about us it's about you but some of us we have some thinking in our brains that restricts us from serving because we think one of two things either we have thoughts of inadequacy or thoughts of apathy see inadequacy says i have nothing to give through serving i haven't known jesus long enough I haven't been at the church long enough. I don't know all the stories of Scripture. If you knew my past, if you knew what I did last night, if you knew what I did this morning, if you knew what I did last week, if you knew who I was, you wouldn't ask me to come in and serve. Let me tell you what. If God has given you a power and God has given you a purpose through gifts, you have what you need. You're not listening to God. You're listening to the enemy because he wants to keep you from doing anything that will give you life. And Jesus said, if you want to be great... You got to give your life away. So don't listen to the thoughts of inadequacy, but also the other, the other thoughts we have is thoughts of apathy. Apathy says, I don't have anything to gain through serving. To be honest, like, it's not about you. And if you think serving years ago, I served enough, like I met my quota, Here's the deal. It's not about us. It's about you. Like serving, doing something is actually healthy for you. Even I was reading recently the, the, the idea of that serving is actually the final stage of grief. Because the idea of I go through this horrible thing, yeah, I, and I get it, and you, you've had a traumatic thing. I totally get it. And it's hard. But and here's the deal. And I'm not discounting that, but like it will give you life to serve. It's not going to take your life. It will give you life. And I also, this is, like, I'll just be straight. I'm just going to throw this out there, and you can receive this how you will. I have a problem with people who claim to follow a servant savior and are not willing to serve anywhere. And I'm not just talking about the church. It's easy to serve an hour, hour and a half on a Sunday. Are you serving your family? Are you serving your kids? 
Are you serving your parents, your spouse, your classmates, your work coworkers, anything? Like, are you serving? It's really hard to convince someone, I follow a great Savior who's all about serving and caring for people, but I am unwilling to do any of those things. And here's the deal. It's about you. It's about your health. It's about your development. It's about your growth. Because even if we go through things at the church, man, you can understand that we have needs all over the place. We could use a bunch more people with CC Kids. We could people, use people first impressions. Our worship team, we could use people. Like the, the need is great, but honestly, the need is, is greater in you than for us. Because I'll be for real. Jesus and I are going to find people to serve with kids but you won't make a difference in anyone's life. Jesus and us, we're going to find people to hold doors and welcome people in and answer the question of do you love and do you care? We will find people to step up and serve. Uh, Just trust me, I got faith in Jesus. He's going to make something happen. But how are you going to get life? So when we come together, that's one of the greatest things we can do is coming together because, again, individuals are great, not institutions. And when we come together, we are more powerful together than separated. I mean, you can see this all over the place. You look through all, I mean, honestly, even God put this into the very nature of our, our world. You even look at animals running in a pack. Like You roll with a pack. You are more powerful. You're not going to get taken. Even one example I think is, is so simple is, uh, you guys know like horses, like draft horses, right? Not like fantasy football draft, like draft horses, okay? I'm getting ready for the draft. We're ready to go. So I was going to bring in a horse, but I couldn't find one. They're like these, you guys know horses, right? Big, tall creature, long nose, long tail. North Campus doesn't know horses. So South Campus, I'm trusting you know horses. Y'all need to go to school, get a lesson. Here's the deal. So draft horses by themselves, they're these massive animals. They're really only used for moving stuff. They can pull up to 8,000 pounds by themselves. That's a lot of weight. But you put two of these together, and some of you, you're quick with math, and you're like 16,000 pounds. Good for you. It's not 16,000 pounds. Actually, two of these animals together, they get put together for the first time. They can pull up to 24,000 pounds. But then you keep these two animals, and do not miss the importance of this. You keep these two animals yoked together, connected together, where they know each other. They can work together because they spent time together. And not just one hour a week training. They spent a lot of time together. They can pull up to 32,000 pounds, which is four times what one horse can pull by itself. And here's the deal. You can't reach 200 kids by yourself. But you can be part of a kids ministry that reaches 200 kids every week. Like, you can't reach 80 to 90 middle school, high school students every Wednesday night, but you can be part of a student movement that does. You can't reach literally hundreds of people every single weekend through our campuses coming and and hearing God's word. You can't reach everybody. Some of you try to welcome everybody. You can't welcome everybody, but here's the deal. You can be part of welcoming everybody. And you again, don't look at your one portion of money and think, well, because I don't have five or two or ten, I don't have a significant part to play. Scripture goes through all over the place talking about how we are bought together and brought together as a body, and you need everything in the body to work to make it work. So how are you doing filling out that I'm stepping up card? I'm going to keep hitting that about eight more times. 
Because this is the most practical way for you to step in to see God make a difference in your life. And if you're trying to figure out, hey, where should I serve? Like, what should I do? Like, you're talking about this, and I don't want to be one of those apathetic people because I really believe my life is for somebody else. And also, I feel inadequate, but I also I want to step out and believe that I'm going to do this. Here's what I'm going to tell you. The two things you need to think about is gift-based, passion-driven ministry. Gift-based, passion-driven ministry. Think about the gifts you've been given. Think about the things you know how to do. There's all sorts of things that you know how to do. And don't just think in the church. Even for me, this is something that, that I've seen. Things like things that you can't even control. Think all over the place. So when I was 15, I actually had, uh, I was doing martial arts, and our martial arts, the owner, the instructor of the school said, hey, to me and my brother, hey, you guys, I want you to come and start teaching, and I want to teach you how to teach people martial arts. I was like, okay. So I started teaching martial arts at 15, and I was horrible. Like horrible, horrible. But then eventually, through a lot of training and a lot of repetition, I got better at it. I got better at it. And this is the funny thing. I taught martial arts all through high school. I didn't teach in church at all until I got to college. Because I didn't make the connection. Like, I'm learning how to use this skill over here. Maybe I could use it in church. Some of you, you have incredible minds on helping people with dealing through things, helping people handle things. And you got to understand, don't just think about church world. I think everyone should serve in two spots. I think you should serve inside the church, inside the house. I think you should serve outside the house. But think about what things has God given you. Even this past week, I was talking with an individual, and they're checking out kids' ministry, and they want to come check out kids' ministry, which I'm like, that's awesome. I'd love for you to check out kids' ministry. But, like, think about some gifts and passions, like, are you gifted in this? And I explained different areas of ministry. And they're like, well, actually, like I would, like I work a lot with computers and stuff. So maybe like the production team, we're doing the lights and the slides and all that. Maybe that would be good for me. I said, that, that might be. And here's the deal. I don't, honestly, I don't care if you serve with kids or not. We don't need people who aren't gifted and passionate serving with kids. But what we do need is we need people who say, I'm gifted. I can talk to people. I can explain things. I don't mind being goofy. I like having fun. And I can be passionate. I want to do that. I want to make a difference. That's why when you all roll on campus, no matter which campus it is, you're welcomed by a parking team who takes it on them to say, we're going to be the first, first impression. And we're going to love people. And you're going to see people coming. And they're smiling. And they're waving. Why? Because they're gifted and passionate about serving there. That's why you see people leading through worship, through music, and their instruments, they're passionate and they're gifted about that. You need to figure out what are you gifted and passionate about. I was even talking with a lady, this is a while ago, and she, we were talking about where she could plug in and serve. And she said, I do customer service. And I, I don't know what, she may be kidding me. I said, and here's the deal. I want everybody to serve with kids. I think kids are great. We have a great need. You can make an incredible investment in the next generation, but it's not the only place people are gifted and passionate to serve. So I'm talking to this lady and I said, well, you have a customer service background. Well, like maybe like Connect Point, maybe our first impression. You solve problems. You love connecting with people. You need to serve there. And guess what? She's serving there now because she understood what am I gifted? What do I know how to do? And then what am I passionate about? So figure out and think through. Some of you, you could serve all over the place. I'd say, and we talk about this through Next Steps and Bryant talks about this. Give your hands and heart to the area of greatest need. Here's reality. A lot of you probably don't play an instrument. So worship team's not there for you. You might be passionate as all get out about worship, but you're not gifted to serve there. But could you help lead worship with kids ministry where honestly, kids don't care if you can't sing. They just want to spend time with you and know that you want to spend time with them. Like, can you welcome people? Can you keep people safe? Can you come and do facilities work throughout the week? Like, what can you do? Where can you give your life to? Because when you give your life away, that is the pathway to becoming great. 
And I also say this as a, as a parent, but also as, as your next-gen pastor, some of you, you are trying to find a way to connect with your middle school or high school student in a way that you've never tried to before because you're seeing they're growing. They're going to be gone pretty soon. Now, I'm a mess. My kid's going into VPK, and I'm a mess. I can imagine what it's like when she's going to be in, in high school. Find where your student wants to serve and jump in with both feet. And you make a complete fool of yourself. You have so much fun with them. And you want to find a space where you can connect with your kid. Nothing, I do not believe anything will be more life-giving than you serving with your student where they're gifted and passionate about. Now, we have a lot of people serving with, they're not serving with their kids. And that's totally fine. It's not like you have to do that. But having the idea of service, we give our lives away. That's where we will become great. For some of you, you parents, you need to understand that is one of the most valuable things you can teach your kid. Because reality is, they're probably not going to be a professional athlete or musician or artist. And all those things are important. All those things are great. But for you as parents, they are going to be a professional person. And they need to know how to be great in the right things or they're going to wake up years from now going, man, I chased after everything that didn't matter and I've left my life a mess. For all of us, we got to step aside from our excuses if I can just be real straight with you. You got 24 hours in the day just like I got 24 hours in a day. You're going to make time to give your life away and find ways that you can incorporate into your everyday life. And then also, I believe when we come together as a body of believers, God will do something spectacular through us. It can be some of the greatest power you've ever experienced, the greatest power we've ever seen as we come together and say, I will be great. I will give my life away because Jesus gave his life away for me. This is the last thing I want to close with this story to help you understand this idea because some of you are like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm trying to figure it out. And, and what, what about the results? What about the outcome? What if I come in and nothing happens? This is what I tell you. You do what you know to do and you trust God with the rest. You just do what you know to do and you trust God with the rest. I was talking with this lady this week. She's going to serve our kids team and she's excited about it. And I asked her because we, like we like to learn, how did you hear about the church? So I asked, how did you, you hear about the church? And she said, well, uh, there was this flyer out in my yard uh, before Easter, and it talked about you guys opening your campus on Easter. And I looked at the address, and I recognized the address because I actually went to that church for youth group years ago, that uh, formerly Horizon Christian Church. I went there for years, and like, I thought me and my family were looking for a church. We need to get back into church, and I got this flyer, and, and I saw it, and then we started coming Easter, and we've been coming almost ever since. And now she's going to come in next week and shadow with kids ministry to see how she can make a difference in somebody else's life because someone made a difference in her life. But here's the deal. Like some of you know those door hangers we had before Easter. We were handing those out. The door hanger wasn't even on her door. It was on her neighbor's door and it fell off her neighbor's door and got blown down the street to her front yard. She goes out to check it and goes, oh my goodness, because I asked her, it was on your door. She said, no, it wasn't on my door. I don't know. It just ended up, it landed randomly on my door, my front lawn. Yo, you can't make that stuff up. It's not about you seeing the results. It's about you being faithful and saying, God, you've given me something to give away. I'm just going to keep giving away. I'm going to trust you for the growth. 
You come in, you hold a door, you welcome people, you love on people through our first impressions team, and you will see God do something. You say, I'm just going to continue giving, and I'm going to trust you for the growth. You come in here with CC Kids or Next Gen Ministry with Velocity. You say, I'm going to serve. I'm going to be here. It doesn't seem like it's working. Just I'm trying to figure this thing out. You think about it. Jesus went, he was with his guys for three years, and he told them in, in chapter 20 of Matthew, hey, I'm going to die and come back. And they asked, where can I sit in your kingdom? You think Jesus never felt like it wasn't working? We got to say, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to give and trust you for the growth. And that's what we got to do. And I'm going to tell you for real right now, South Campus, North Campus, take that card out, fill it out, get it to somebody. Find me at the after party. Give it a connect point. Drop them in the offering box. I don't care what you do. If you got questions, we want to be a guide to help you figure out where you can make the most impact because I believe God's made you to make an incredible impact. Do not listen to the lies that you cannot make a difference. God's called you, designed you, given the power and purpose to make a difference. You just have to step out and start. Figure out where God's called you and invest your life there. Give it away because through giving your life, you truly will receive life. Would you pray with me as we close? God, thank you for what you're doing in our gathering. God, I thank you for so many people, God, who truly understand and believe that it is better to give than to receive, and they are giving their lives away every single weekend. God, I think about the people coming in throughout the week, setting things up and tearing things down and helping people understand that you are for everybody. God, I think about the people through our next-gen ministry who are sitting down with children, God, and teaching them your scriptures, God, teaching them that you are for them, God, showing students that it is okay and it is, it is good to have faith and have questions and to wrestle through things. It does not mean you have to stay away from church. God, I thank you for people in our First Impressions team loving on people and answering the biggest question anyone asks coming in of, am I loved and am I accepted, God? And we get to say yes. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the differences that we are making, God, and that we would understand again and again that we are never simply volunteering, but we are always building a bridge to you. And God, I pray for so many people right now, God, I, I believe dozens, if not hundreds of people, God, who are thinking about how they can step in and serve and invest their life, how they can give themselves away. I pray you give them clarity. God, I pray that they would understand and see exactly what you're calling them to do. And God, they would begin doing it. Even today, God, they'd sign up. They'd say, yes, I'm going to be part of this gathering because we are better connected and we are more powerful when we are connected. God, I pray you give us the eyes to see the difference we're making. God, understand the power you've given us and also the purpose you've placed on us. We love you so much. Thank you for giving yourself to us and thank you for giving us this opportunity to love people. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is, we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.